Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. ago on this show the presumption was maybe the best approach for the Boston Celtics would be just to run it back to re-rack it to try again in a cloudy east where so many teams seem to be packed together maybe the best approach is just try and try again then last night epic drama turned into trades that didn't happen turned into a while you were sleeping mega deal that now has the Celtics proving to us their running back was never their philosophy. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and this is the big trade. It's a three-team trade that happens last night, and as a result of this three-team trade, one of the bigger names, I won't say one of the better players, but at least one of the bigger names in the NBA has been traded. As the Celtics, Wizards, and Grizzlies agreed to a three-team trade late Wednesday night that sends Kristaps Porzingis to the Celtics, Marcus Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies, and Tyus Jones to the Wizards. Harry, this is an obvious note here that the Celtics wanted to find another person that could come in and give them scoring. They were aggressive yesterday telling us that they think Kristaps Porzingis is part of the answer to how they can rule the East. And yes, it's clearly when you look at the Boston Celtics falling short in the Easter Conference Finals this past year versus the Miami Heat and then the year previous uh, uh, to the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, the third score for this team has kind of been up in the air. You don't really know who it is, right? So now when you make this trade for a guy like Porzingis, who averaged, what, 23 points per game last year, eight rebounds, one and a half blocks, which was top 10 in the NBA from a defensive perspective, now you're adding a guy that can post up, a guy that can stretch the floor, shoot the three, a guy that's phenomenal within the mid-range game on top of protecting the rim if he's down there. He's 7'3", Fitz. He's yeah. tall as hell. We talk about Victor Wimbenyaba being 7'5", 7'3", however tall he is. Well, Przingis is tall as I don't know what he, uh, uh, as well. So now you have a guy with size, length, but also the perimeter skills to do some of the things that you still like to do from an offensive standpoint. I think here's what's interesting to me. There's a philosophical change happening for the Celtics. There's a great nugget here on ESPN.com as they grade the the trade out uh, that points out that last year Jason Tatum had the most post-ups of any player for the Celtics in their offense with 95. He had 95 post-ups. That led the team. All right, Porzingis last year alone had 263 with the Wizards. 263. So that tells me, Harry, that there's a philosophical change here that the Celtics looked around and said, hey, and we know live by the three, die by the three. We've been texting that to each other through the whole playoff run. Live yep. by the three, die by the three. This is the Celtics saying, we're not going to live by the three, die by the three. We're going to bring in somebody in Porzingis that when we need to be able to just get into a half-court set and find a shot, we're going to have somebody that allows us to do that. And if you collapse in to try and stop this post portion of the offense, it's going to create more more lanes for your shooters like from a shooting 
coaching standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, this makes a ton of sense. I think Celtics fans right now, because of their love of Marcus Smart and because of what he means to so many fans there, are looking at this simply from the names and saying, well, Smart for Porzingis. Porzingis is a bum. That became a perception. Porzingis is no longer who we decided he was even a year and a half ago. He had a great year last year, a very good year last year for the Wizards. He comes in, adds a dynamic offensive element to them. I, I, I look at this and say, man, this isn't just a single. This is a home run for the Celtics. Well, I think most importantly, it takes pressure off of your superstar and your star pl- player, which is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Right. That that's what that does when you add a third scorer, a guy that you can go to in the post, a guy that you can swing the ball to, a guy that you can count on giving you 20 points per game. If that needs to happen when he's out there on the basketball court, takes a lot of pressure off those other two guys because, you know, at times when the Boston Celtics got in trouble, it's because Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown were trying to do too much and rightfully so because they felt like they had to do that because you didn't have that prominent third score on their roster. Yeah. Also, by the way, as part of this trade, I want to point out the Celtics move up from 35 to 25 in tonight's draft and they add what is called a lightly protected 2024 first round pick. These are important things, Harry, because while the NBA draft is crapshoot and nobody really like sits here and breaks it down the right way, here's the easiest thing everybody needs to know. They're about to be just absolutely wildly expensive as a team, right? Brown and Tatum are about to cost a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. So now, if you've got Brown and Tatum costing you a boatload of money, you just went and you picked up Kristaps Porzingis, these draft picks become important because in the world of the NBA, and I realize this phrase doesn't make sense for athletes, but in the world of NBA, first-round picks are cheap labor. You know what I'm saying? Like We keep talking about some of these teams that are building and they need to figure out how to complete their roster. The Celtics get themselves draft picks as part of this, so they feel like they got an, an upgrade positionally. They got an upgrade offensively. They get somebody that can take some of the heat off of Al Horford. They bring in somebody that can take the heat off of their stars when it comes to scoring, and they give themselves a chance to pick up more cheap labor as they build the rest of their roster out and guys cost them more. More money. I, I, the more I look at this, just the more I'm just putting a gold star above the Celtics' name for this trade. Well, I'll tell you this. I like Brad Stevens in the role that he's in to be able to develop the draft picks that he acquired within this trade. Why is that? Because history tells me so. You look at their roster up and down outside of what, Derek White and I would say uh, Al Horford and Perzingis, who they just uh, traded for. You look at Peyton Pritchard, you look at Grant Williams, you look at Robert Williams, you look at Jason Tatum, you look at Jalen Brown. All these guys were drafted to Boston, and they have been able to develop into players that contribute to what they want to do and what they have been able to do the last few years. And also, I will say this, Derek White, because he cannot be ignored within this trade. Derek uh, White and his uh, emergence last season in the playoffs, being able to guard Jimmy Butler defensively, played a major role in them saying, you know what, we're going to trade Marcus Smart to Memphis. So I didn't want that to go unnoticed, Fitz, because he really stepped up um, last season and also stepped up in the playoffs when they needed him the most. And particularly in that game seven, it was the third quarter stretch where Derek White was getting the ball and putting the ball in the basket consistently, keeping the Boston Celtics in that thing a little bit. So I would say the emergence of Derek White allowed Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics to say, you know what, we can move on from Marcus Smart. And the last thing I add to this, now it's going to force the leader of this team to be the leader of this team. Marcus Smart being there, sometimes it can be a little clouded. 
So you didn't know if it was Marcus Smart. You didn't know if it was Jalen Brown. You didn't know if it was Al Horford. You didn't know if it was Jason Tatum. Now you take Marcus Smart out of the equation. I think this is going to force Jason Tatum to be more so of that leader they want and need him to be. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, I love what you're talking about, too, because development of the next level of players is what allows you the ability to move on from players, even if they're players that your fans love and your organization loves. Sometimes that's the tough decision that comes with the championship or trying to win a championship. That being said, I love this trade. That being said, it sounds like you love this trade. Well, this is what Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, said on Get Up about what he thinks about this trade. He not only gives you that third scoring option to go alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, he also is a guy that's an elite-level backline defender. This is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. So he's this unique combination of an offensive player that is, has the ability to spread the floor and play off of other great players. He can also affect the game on the other end with his ability to track guys to the rim, to be that last line that you meet at the rim, to alter shots, to block shots. So you get now something that's going to affect both ends of the floor. And which I think is huge because there were times last season where I thought that's when Boston took a step back from the previous year, right? Just in case someone got beat off the dribble, you know, the year they made it to the finals, you had the Robert Williams blocking the shots or whatnot. Now you have a guy in Porzingis who is 7-3, average one and a half blocks per game, which I mentioned is top 10 in the NBA in 2022. Now you add a guy that can clean up things if you do make a mistake defensively. It's interesting to me, though. One thing that we all know is that Christoph Porzingis had heaping expectations on him when he came into the league, right? Like, People thought he was going to be the savior of the Knicks. And then when Porzingis ends up with the Mavericks, it's people think it's going to be championship basketball. It seems like every step of the way, now injuries have derailed a lot of his career, but every step of the way it feels like at times we've expected greatness from Porzingis. To a degree, he was able to not only stay healthy with the Wizards last year, but he spent the last two seasons in Washington where he can essentially be invisible. You're right, he's coming off of a year that absolutely was what people expected from him year in and year out. He's coming off of a very good year, and he's coming off of a year that he was able to be healthy. He will now go to a Boston team, though, Harry, where he is going to have wild expectations yet again. It's like we all, at one point, everybody thought he was going to be a savior. Then he became a little invisible. It is now, with this trade, when you are replacing Marcus Smart with that fan base, man, there are going to be expectations galore from the minute he walks into Boston. The Celtics and the organization, the fans, NBA heads everywhere are going to be looking at Christos Porzingis and say, boy, you better be who you were when we thought you were going to be, I should say, when you came into this league if you want to come out and live up to the expectations he will now have. That being said, as big as that move is, as big as Porzingis is to what it means to the Eastern Conference, there might have been a move yesterday even more significant to the eventual race for the NBA championship. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Boston gets what they had wanted all along. Kristaps Porzingis. He is going to be a phenomenal addition, but you're also having to part with a guy who has been one of your core leaders. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. 
Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Whew. Today is a good day around the NBA. The NBA draft tonight, you don't want to forget that, obviously. But the drama yesterday was about not just one superstar, but two, Harry. Because, frankly, Christos Porzingis is dominating the news cycle. Everybody's talking about Porzingis. I get it. That may not have been the most consequential move yesterday, as this one stunned me. Absolutely stunned by the fact that three-time All-Star forward Chris Middleton has declined his $40 million player option with the Bucks. He's a free agent. He's declining a $40 million player option. Now, remember, uh, he's been injured since 2022, basically, in the playoffs. He missed the last 10 games of the playoffs with a sprained MCL. Then he had left wrist surgery during last year's offseason, missed the first 20 games of the season, returned in December, played six games, then missed 18 with knee soreness. Like, the list goes on and on. He's 32 years old. Underwent successful surgery on his right knee short at, shortly after the first-round playoff exit. Despite all those injuries, Harry, he looked around and said, $40 million is not enough for me, good sire. I shall decline this option. I'm stunned. Yeah, this is alarming to me because the reason why it has my antennas twirling a little bit is because the simple fact that $40 million is a lot of money. And I don't think you just turn down or decline $40 million without knowing something, without you knowing something, without your agent knowing something, without having something in your back pocket. I just honestly feel that way. Yeah. But I, if go ahead. But I, but I would say this. If I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, you have to look at other possibilities. Yes, Chris Middleton is still a candidate to bring back and sign to a, a, to a longer deal. But if I'm looking at the Toronto Raptors, I'm looking at Pascal Siakam a guy who I'm very high on and have been high on him for a very, very long time. I'm also looking at a guy named Paul George, who in which the Clippers are talking to other people and possibly moving. I have to try to figure out if I can get one of those guys. And if not, then I'm going back with Chris Middleton. Yeah, I got to figure something out if I'm Milwaukee. And what's interesting about Middleton, I think we need to remember here, is the NBA contracts are guaranteed, right? So it, while $40 million is how much he was set to make next year, sometimes, even if it means you're going to make less per year, you'll take more. If you're Middleton, you're 32 years old, you want to get the fattest payday you possibly can. So Correct. it might mean more years, less per year, but it's more money up front guaranteed. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski, our very own Woj, said this, our senior NBA insider, on SportsCenter at night about Chris Middleton entering free agency. That was a situation where Middleton and his agents were talking with the Bucks today about possibly an extent, you know, opting opting into that deal and then extending off of that $40 million. Uh, but they could not come to an agreement on that. And so Middleton declines it. He becomes a free agent this summer. Now, the possibility of a return to the Bucks is still significant. This is uh, a player they simply can't lose in Milwaukee. I mean, that's the simply can't lose part of this here is important because Milwaukee is always going to be doing this tap dance to make sure that they keep Giannis happy. I look at their roster right now. We started the show talking about what Porzingis adds to the Celtics. Man, you got the Celtics over here making moves, right? You, you, the East is already stacked. The, the Bucks were a disappointment in the playoffs last year. They can't just turn around and say, well, we'll just figure it out with Matt, without Middleton. They're going to have to bring in somebody that keeps Giannis engaged, happy, and feeling like this is where he wants to be. And can they can sell to everybody that they're still amongst the top teams in the East. Well, And on top of it, 
this is a team that had a coaching change this offseason, right? Adrian Griffin is now the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, it's hard for me to believe that the Bucks front office would understand that Chris Middleton had an, an option and not had a plan B and C in the back of their minds. So I, I'm hoping that they had other plans just in case something like this happened. And Chris Middleton may be doing it to force their hand as well. Right. So there's a lot to go on when it comes to Chris Middleton declining this option that would would have paid him 40 million dollars. Because beforehand, Fitz, remember, we didn't think it was a chance in hell that he was going to decline a 40 million dollar option. Yeah, no, you're a thousand percent right. I'm, uh, every time you say 40 million dollar option, I just think, what is, what does his team know that we don't know? Right. Yep. Because uh, here's the thing. Middleton and the Bucks make so much sense together. Middleton's got to know that there's somewhere out there that wants to pay him with his injury history even more than $40 million bucks. So to make it worth walking away, he's got to be sure that he can get a better offer from somewhere. Conversely, for the Bucks, as, as you know, Woj just referenced in that audio we heard, he referenced the fact that there were conversations about an extension. Man, the Bucks better feel strong about their option B to just let him walk away. I, I understand the salary cap implications. We talked a little bit yesterday about the fact that the apron, as they call it, the second apron, the luxury taxes that Milwaukee's up against, they're going to be spending a ton of money. But if you're Milwaukee, you can't take the chance that you just run it back. Now you're going to have to be aggressive in going after a Siakam or Paul George. You're going to have to be aggressive in trying to figure out how to keep some level of pace because – uh, frankly, the, the Celtics look better today. Uh, the, the, at least the 76ers can sell well. We know we're going to try and figure out how to improve our roster, and we've made a change at head coach. If you're if you're the Bucks, man, you got to change a coach. But what else are you looking at to try and make the result different next year? Well, I would say this though: if I'm Chris Middleton's camp, and if I'm him personally, and I know Damian Lillard wants to play with another guy that's older and been there and done that, uh, Chris Middleton has an NBA championship. I'm seeing what the Portland Tra- Trailblazers are talking about. Literally. I'm seeing what the Portland Trailblazers are going to talk about because now you can add a guy like Chris Middleton and then you draft a Scoot Henderson. If I'm Damian Lillard, I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, that would fill the obligation that, that everybody feels like Portland has to bring in somebody that can help them win games right now. Chris Middleton, if healthy, can be that. And then it still allows the Trailblazers to turn around and do what they need to do with the third overall pick in the draft. I hadn't thought about this yet, Harry. Now, mo- this- now, money-wise, I don't know how everything works out. That's why we have Bobby Marks. That's why we have Wendy. <laughs> that's why we have Woj. Okay, that's not my dog on specialty. Money-wise, I don't know how it would work. But I'm just saying, like, if I'm Chris Middleton and I hear this noise from Damian Lillard and I know he wants to play with a veteran guy, a guy that has the experience of a championship especially, I'm exploring that option. Man, HD, you know me. I've spent a lot of time in my life like getting to know, love, live, learn the salary cap in the NFL. Like I feel like I'm pretty smart on how all that works, what the deferred money goes. Like I'm always on that. I tried with the NBA thing. I tried. <laughs> and then I was like, man, there's a reason my, why my calculus teacher in high school told me to stick to music. Like, I'm not smart enough to figure out the NBA salary cap. I just text Bobby Marks, and I'm like, Bobby, can you help me figure this out? And then he sends me the answer. Bobby is the smart kid in our classroom when it comes mm-hmm. to the NBA salary cap. Obviously, we'll keep you updated on any news we get now for Chris Middleton and for the Bucks because both are going to be players in the news cycle as they try to figure out what happens moving forward. Victor Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon 
Brandon Miller. Find out where they go in this year's NBA draft. Coverage begins tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and the ESPN app. All three of those players expected to be immediate impact. Speaking of the draft, why one former top pick is only available for one team. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Tonight, the NBA Draft, as you just heard, coverage on ESPN Radio. A once-in-a-generation player, according to many, going to go first off the board. But then things could also continue to get interesting as the Trailblazers sit at the third overall pick and everybody's trying to figure out what is going to happen. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, the Wolfpack grows by one now with the dashingly good-looking, alarmingly talented, and all-around great dude, Alan Hahn, joining us. Uh, Barton Hahn, obviously, and then part of tonight's coverage on the NBA Draft on ESPN Radio with Kesty, uh, Seth Greenberg, Corey Alexander, PJ Carlissimo. Hahn, appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, really, genuinely appreciate your time on our day as busy as today is. So everybody keeps talking about the third overall pick and that the Blazers, Scoot Henderson, or Brandon Miller. If that happens, if, if the Blazers sit at three and then up taking the best player on the board what's dame's reaction going to be to that in your mind yeah i mean all, all the indications are that he doesn't want to have to deal with a rebuild or at least babysitting any more young players and he wants to have the blazers build a team that can win a championship and he's been so passive aggressive about it guys it's it's getting almost frustrating and I'm almost like looking at him like, you know what? I'm done with you. Like either you're going to get stuck there and it's your own fault or they're going to trade you because they're tired of it too. One way or another, this passive aggressive approach has got to stop. And we'll know tonight. I mean, every indication would be that they make the pick. The feeling is, is that the next step then is where do they trade Damian Lillard for more future assets and the ability to get into a real rebuild? Because I honestly don't see any trades that are out there that they could do that could move them into contention status. Now, if they let, let's say the Pelicans wanted that pick. And I know um, Brian Windhorst has been reporting this for a week. Not reporting, but more or less just hearing things that the Pelicans love Scoot and that they might even offer Zion for him to get that pick. And if you're Portland 
you could look at it and think, all right, well, this is a guy, Zion Williamson, that obviously went healthy, could be in a franchise-changing player. But just that with Lillard and, let's say, Jeremy Grant then says, okay, I'm staying as a free agent. I'm not leaving. That enough? Like, does that get them to where they're at the same level as Phoenix, Denver, the Lakers? I, I don't think so. Like, I just don't see that kind of a, an offseason ahead for Portland that by October we're talking about them as a team that can win a championship. So the, the, the logical move for this franchise to make is to maximize their bi- biggest asset in Damian Lillard while he still has that kind of value. So, Han, let me ask you this, because when Chris Middleton declined his $40 million option, it got me thinking. What if the Blazers pursued Chris Middleton to come to their team, a guy who has a championship background, is a veteran player, knows how to win, on top of drafting Scoot Henderson at number three? Would, would, those, would that move entice Damian Lillard to stay in Portland? Well, how are you going to get a free agent when you don't have cap space? That's the biggest issue, is that they don't really have cap space. They have a lot of holes that they could drop, of course, on players, but now you're just you're starting to gut your roster. We've seen teams do this now. I mean, that is that is something we have seen, that teams will go all in. I mean, look at the Phoenix Suns. They, they will go all in. But is Chris Middleton going to make that big of a difference when you look at the West? Like I said, Harry, the reason that you keep Damian Lillard is to try to win a championship. He's 33. The older he gets, the less valuable he gets. So if there was ever a time to do it, in the environment that we are in right now in the NBA, this would be the time to do it. And I just don't see it. Like, look, Phoenix just traded for Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. Chris Middleton's a really good player. I don't think you put him at their level. So when you're making moves to try to win a championship, I don't think Middleton's the thing that, oh, wow, all of a sudden Portland becomes a team to beat. So, again, I just think they're in a moment. Like, two franchises are going to have franchise-changing moments tonight. The first one's obvious, San Antonio. Mm-hmm. The second one is going to be Portland. And what they do tonight could dictate what they're, what they're going to look like over the next five and maybe even ten years. We're talking to Alan Hahn, ESPN Radio, NBA draft analyst on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Hahn, I always love talking to you about the Knicks because you know that team so well. We've spent some time already today talking about the Celtics moves, talking about the Bucks moves, and the Eastern Conference as a whole. So when you look at tonight and these moments that are going to happen moving forward in the offseason, what do you think the Knicks need to add in order to be an Eastern Conference Finals-type team next year? Yeah, they need a 3-and-D wing player to put in between Brunson and, and Julius Randle. I mean, Jalen Brunson's really, even though he wasn't named an all-star, I mean, this guy's an all-star caliber player. We saw it not in the regular season only. We saw it in the postseason as well. So you have him, and Randle's been an all-star twice. So you got two guys that are all-stars. And you're still missing one kind of piece, a finisher, uh, a guy that can defend the wing, that, that can pull some defense away from both of these guys and make them even more difficult. They also can defend, obviously, because they have Tom Thibodeau. So, you know, that's what I think you've got to look for. They don't have a draft pick this year. They should have had Washington, I mean, uh, Dallas's pick, but Dallas decided they didn't want to play in the play-in because, you know, nobody goes to the finals in the, from the play-in, right, guys? No, no, nobody can advance <laughs> in the playoffs in the play-in, right? Well, I'm sorry, that happened, <laughs> what, two play-in teams, right? So, anyway, um, 
So they, they tank, they keep their picks. So the Knicks don't have a first-round pick. The other first-round pick, their own, um, went to Port. Actually, Portland's got two picks, one of them being the Knicks pick, uh, that they traded with Cam Reddish to get Josh Hart. So I just think they're in a they're in a place that they're, their next move, like one false move, and it could kind of mess up what they've got going here. So it, it really has to take a very specific piece or fit uh, for them to make a move. Otherwise, and fans hate hearing this thing, but the Knicks are at a place, and I know it's New York, we're not like this, they have to be patient. It's crazy, but it's true. They have to be patient, wait for the right move. All right, everyone is saying that Victor Wimbenyamba is the greatest prospect ever, hon. What has your reaction been <laughs> to the prep you've done on Wimbenyamba? Uh, it's I, I'm San Antonio is probably a good spot for him on many levels, and the one level that I actually look at and I say to myself, well, it's a good thing he's going here. It's because first of all, Pop will protect him from the hype, and he won't let all that stuff get in there. He will stand in front of it, he will tamp it down, and he will unapologetically sit him certain nights when he feels like, you know what. This kid's got to ramp his way up into playing 60-plus games a year. He's only played like 30-plus games a year so far. So he's got to work his way there without wearing himself down and getting injured and also looking bad. So it's, it's like the perfect scenario for all those things. This is a guy that's going to have an immediate impact in the NBA as a defender. I mean, he's got all defensive team potential as a rookie. I wouldn't say defensive player of the year, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was either. This guy can close out threes and, and protect the rim in the same position. Like you're not like he you know how you know bigs have a hard time closing out the corner three? He could take one step and do that. His length, his quickness, all his instincts, everything. He will be so impactful defensively. The offense that we have seen at the you know, again, playing overseas, the threes, that's good. The ball handling, no way he gets away with a lot of that stuff in the NBA. They'll come after him. They'll get low on him. There'll be some things that he's got to adjust to physically and also just how, how smart and how good NBA players are defensively and positionally. But I just think out of the gates, he is going to be a big, impactful defensive player. And then they'll build him from there. But I wouldn't, you know, like, I just hope we don't get so caught up in nitpicking every little thing. We got to let this kid kind of grow because he's got so much potential as a talent that it could be great for the league going forward. We don't have a face of the league, guys. After LeBron and Steph Curry are, are gone, you know Zion and Ja, they're you know they're too busy with guns and buns right now. They got to get their they got to get their act together. But you've got right now a lot of international players who are ready to take the torch from LeBron and Steph, and Wimbayana might be one of them. Uh, you are hilarious. <laughs> Guns and Buns is going to be the new name of this show. I don't know what you're talking about. Guns and Buns is going to be like, screw Fitz and Harry. We're going Guns and Buns from now on. That's, that's, uh, 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 Which one are you, Fitzy? Oh, yeah. Which I'm, one I, are I, you? Me, I've been working out, man. I'm Guns all day long. Like, let's go. Like, it's, it's happening. Uh, Han, man, enjoy. I, I'm the- talking about biceps and pastries, by the way, right? That's what I'm talking about. Biceps and pastries, right? We all understand this, right? I don't know what you thought I was referencing. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's what, we're on the same page uh, entirely. Uh, Han, have a great uh, draft uh, analysis, man. We appreciate you coming on, giving us your expertise. Enjoy the show tonight. Thanks for hanging with us. 
You got it, boys. Take care. That's Alan Hahn. Don't forget the NBA draft starts tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and Sirius XM. Channel 80, you don't want to miss it, especially the first three, four picks are going to be great. A bunch of NBA teams are starting their rebuild with tonight with the draft. In the NFL, there is one rebuilding team that's almost ready to call themselves a playoff team. We'll tell you who it is. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I don't know what show they're talking about. It's Guns and Buns on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Buns, I'm Guns. We're presented by Progressive <laughs> Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. What? <clears throat> Thanks to Alan Hahn. Uh, you know, and my rock hard biceps. And uh, your, your rock solid backside. Uh, what? We, what? I, I'm just, I mean, Harry. I squatted yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was leg day. I mean, yep. that, that's what happens. All right. New Bears linebacker Tremaine Edwards told the NFL Network, quote, I'm a guy I like when the odds are against me. I like when the odds are against us. I feel like individuals make the best moves when you're underestimated, and I want to go to a team where I can be part of a rebuild. I can be part of turning this thing around, man. Talking about the Bears, which has inspired us to decide. Looking at the teams picking at the top of the draft, we've taken the six worst teams. We are going to rank them from six to one in their order of likeliness that they have turned it around and can contend for the playoffs. So number six will be the least likely of these top six Number one will be the most likely. Devin, play a big number for us. Number one. No, we go from number six to one. What are you doing, Devin? Every good t- every good countdown goes from six to one. So this would be the least likely. We go six to one, Devin. What number we- six. Nobody ever sits there and says, oh, God. What- okay, num- fine. No, Evan, Evan, give us the voice of God for number six. Just say it like in the biggest. Number six. That's, that was better oh. than voice of God. All right. Who's the least likely myself. of these top teams then, Harry, uh, to go into the playoffs? At number six, who do you have? Yeah, I have the Colts at number six. Um, although I think Anthony Richardson is going to be a phenomenal quarterback in the National Football League, I do think he's uh, the team, him and the team, is going to have some growing pains as they gather things together. Uh, the future is going to be bright for them. I just don't think it's going to be in 2023. Yeah, no, we agree on that. We actually both have the Colts at number six. So, all right, uh, who do we have? Uh, do you have the next number four, Devin? What do we got next? Number five. Oh, look at that. That feels number better. Five. That feels better, and I think we're going to agree on this one. I'll just throw myself on the sword. These are the six worst teams, according to the NFL draft, of where they picked. I I got the Raiders at number five. five fifth least, uh, least turned around at this point, in part because – Frankly, they play in the AFC West, so I think that there's just a long road to hoe. I think I don't think the Raiders are terrible, but it's just a long road to hoe. Yeah, I have five for the Raiders as well, and that division, the AFC West, with the Chargers, with Patrick Mahomes, the defending Super Bowl champions. So that's why I got the Raiders at five. Yeah, I agree with you. So the next number on our list, number four, and again, these are the top. Uh, these are the worst teams in the draft from last year. We're ranking them in their order of ability to turn it around and be a playoff contender. Got the Colts at six. Got the Raiders at five. Harry, who do you have at four? I have the Texans at number four. 
Okay, you got the. Ta- I, I, I'm a little. I, I, I think you're right. I don't think uh, I've, I had a little bit of a grapple in my mind between the Texans and the Panthers, but I do think the Texans have a lot of new in front of them. So I, I will agree with you. Plus, I think the Titans are a little better than we expect, and I think that the Jags are a good football team. So they do have a yep. bit in front of them. They're in the AFC. So I won't disagree with you on the Texans at four. I think that means we're both going to have. Let's say the number number three. Are we both putting the Panthers at three? Are we agreeing no. on? Oh, no. I have, the, I have the Chicago Bears at number three. Oh. Um, I have them at three. They have a lot of new additions. Justin Fields actually has a number one wide receiver now. They're waiting on Chase Claypool to get his act together so he can be an addition to that team moving forward. But for me, it's all the new pieces that they have, whether it's the free agent acquisitions, the trade pieces that they got, or, you know, guys that they are really, really just counting on. The offensive line is revamped. Hopefully, Justin Fields isn't tied for, you know, the lead and being sacked this year like he was a season ago. So that's why I have the Bears at number three. I mean, the Bears spent a lot of money. I I actually had the Bears at two and the Panthers at three. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, the Panthers, Frank Wright comes in, gets a little bit too much benefit of the doubt for me right out of the gate. Going to have to develop a new quarterback that we both like a lot. But uh, I had the Panthers at three, the Bears at two. So I'm presuming that means you have the Panthers at two. Yeah, Number I two. two. Okay. I have the Panthers at two because I love Bryce Young. I also uh, love the addition of Miles Sanders. Adam Thielen got some veteran wide receivers in there. Hayden Hurst, who played with the Cincinnati Bengals a season ago, but also played in this division when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. And don't sleep on the Carolina Panthers in their defense. They have a lot of uh, uh, young pieces that can play the game at a very, very high level. So look forward to them to be in dogfights with uh, the F- Falcons and also the Saints in that division. So I know that that means we'll go to the top one Number on the list. one. I know who you've got, and I agree. Tell the world why, Harry. Who do you got? The Atlanta Falcons. The deficiencies that they had last year was the defensive line, the inability to be able to sack the quarterback and also defending the pass. They revamped it. Calais Campbell, David Omiyata, Caden Ellis. Also, Jesse Bates III, Bud Dupree. They drafted B. John Robinson. Kyle Pitts is going to be healthy on top of trading for John New Smith. They're a top five rushing team in the NFL last year. I like the Falcons. All right. That's straight from uh, our lips to your, I don't know what the phrase is, but we're going to talk more sports next. We got big trades in the NBA. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 